Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. You and I have the ability and the dignity and the right to make our own decisions and determine our own destiny. No fear. No political correctness. Exposing the tyranny of the minority. You're listening to Underground USA with your hosts, Frank Salvato and Andy Limbaugh. Rendezvous with Destiny. Thanks for tuning in to Underground USA. Um, I'm Frank Salvato, and this is a new day at Underground USA. And I, I did not mean for that to rhyme. It just came out that way, so forgive me or, or not. Um... As you can see, if you get the newsletter or if you go to the website in order to hear uh, the podcast, uh, we've got a, another name on the masthead, Andy Limbaugh. He's an old, decades-old friend of mine. Well, a decade? A little over a decade. A, over a decade-old friend of mine. Uh, we started talking back in the, in the early to mid-2000s. Uh, he's a cousin of Rush Limbaugh's, so he, he brings... Uh, he brings a modicum of uh, legitimacy to what we're trying to hear today, if, if not for only for his name. Uh, Andy, welcome to your new home, man. Frank, it is an honor and a pleasure. And on the decades old, you know, or decade, <laughs> why don't we just round up and we can make it good with that. All good. Great to be here. Let's hit the ground running. I've, I've had some issues with the Georgia election. Um, you know, it, right now it is the most critical election that we've seen since literally the Civil War, uh, because it's going to determine which way we go at this point in time with the why and the road that we're at in the United States. It'll either culminate in one party rule or it will actually, if it goes the other way, protect the rights of the minority in this country as, as we look at an election that has been nothing else but fraught with fraud and one of the things that's been bothering me with this georgia runoff you've got people on the progressive marxist left uh what's his name ying yang yang whatever his name diddly squat yeah yeah um he's telling people move to georgia so you can vote which is a felony in the state of georgia if you're moving there just to vote and you're not relocating there honestly it's a felony so if you're listening and you're thinking about doing that because you wanted to do it don't um but i'm seeing this insane influx of money entering into georgia Hundred, they're gonna. They estimated that over two hundred million dollars is going to be spent there between now and January fifth, and most of it is from outside the state. How does that serve Georgians voting for their rep- representation in the United States Senate? 
It doesn't. It, it doesn't serve them whatsoever. Those, those people, they couldn't give a rat's you-know-what about their own constituency. All they care about is getting a W and getting control of the Senate and the presidency and the House of Representatives. They don't care how they do it. It just doesn't matter to them. Because I'm seeing, uh, today I saw a headline where they said George Clooney and uh, the Hollywood elite. They're Will cutting, Smith. yeah, Will Smith. They're they're just cutting these giant checks to, to help the ground game in Georgia. When we talk about f- campaign finance reform, I know everybody wants to stampede towards the decisions that have been made about big corporations. I think that misses the mark. I think when you're talking about campaigns for federal office that are to represent the state, the U.S. Senate or U.S. House, all that campaign money should have to come from inside the state. No question. No, no question. It needs to be. Those people represent the, the citizens of their respective states, period. You know, what, one of the things that I think people don't understand on a larger scale is that we don't have federal, there is no such thing as a federal election in the United States. There is no federal election body that executes the vote, and there's no central place where these ballots go to be tabulated. Each of the 50 states are responsible for executing their elections, both for state offices and for federal offices. Even the president and the vice president of the United States, those elections are executed by the 50 states as their constitutions mandate. So they could, if they wanted to, institute campaign finance law at the state level. It says if you're running for U.S. Senate here in the, in the state of Georgia, you can't accept any, any funding from outside. It has to be all indigenous to Georgia. You know, but... That is, does that include like uh, Bermuda and the Bahamas? And yeah, places? It, it, the places that gave to like Barack Obama during his two. His well, two I mean, I'm not naming names, but you know, just checking. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't think last time I checked it, I don't know if Bermuda was actually a county in Georgia. You know, <laughs> but I don't it, think it, it, the point I'm getting at is that when we're looking at a, on a federal level. And we're looking at this money coming into any state. It doesn't necessarily have to be Georgia. Any state. Any any U.S. senator who's running for re-election is gleaning big checks from, let's say, Big Oil or the Silicon Valley or or Big Pharma or or Big Ag. These sectors are giving these people money, usually in states that where they don't exist. So they can literally buy votes for bills that they see coming down the road in the Senate or the House. So, you know, these people on the left who are pumping money into Georgia, are these senators going to owe them then? Are they bought and paid for? Um, you just answered your own question. Yeah. I, what was it? Uh, uh, Nevada had just this unbelievable influx of people coming from San Francisco <laughs> to vote uh, in Nevada, claiming residence, the, the San Francisco migration, claiming residency in Nevada, residency long enough to actually vote, and then head on back to San Francisco. It, it's, it's the darndest thing in the world, and it's just 
the most fraudulent thing, staring everybody in the face, and nobody seems to want, really care to do anything about it. So now you have your, your example of, of Georgia. All of this money coming in from Hollywood and you know this, that, and the other, but it needs to stay within the borders of the state. That's the only way I can see fidelity happening. I, I mean, you know, you just mentioned San Francisco, Nevada, and going back. The people who do this, and I know we like to point the finger at at uh, the system and the elected people who are running for office and their campaign teams and all of this for receiving these actions, the benefits of these actions, and receiving this money. But the real blame belongs with people who are actually doing it. The people who, who left San Francisco to move to Nevada to affect a vote, they're the ones who are the problem with, with this system. The people from outside the state of Georgia who feel that they have the right to inject their money and their influence into a sovereign election in another state, they're the problem in, the, in this equation. They shouldn't be doing it. They know they shouldn't be doing it. But for whatever reason, they don't care. And that seems to me to be a reflection on society as a whole today. If it's good for me, I don't care if it's right or wrong. I'm going to do it. If it benefits me, everybody else be damned. Well, how many, how many times do you read in a newspaper headline, woman killed or man killed walking across the street? An SUV took out some little old lady walking across the street. They blame it on the SUV and not the driver. No, it's the person behind the wheel who actually executed the thing. The car just was a response to what the driver told it to do. Right. Cars, cars don't kill people. Drivers kill people. Just like guns don't kill people, shooters kill people. You got it. So you same thing with your analogy. It's the people that are actually executing whatever they're doing. They're either funneling money or they're moving and going and vote, and then they move back. You're right. It, it's, it's the individual who is responsible for the action. You know, and you hit on something else here, and and I hadn't thought about it until right now. We wonder why these people feel so empowered to do these types of things, knowing that it's wrong, knowing that they shouldn't be doing it, but arrogant enough to do it anyway. And it's because they never get blamed for it. You just you just pointed it out right there in that analogy about the SUV. Who's reporting that story? Yeah, it, there, there's no. What do you gotta What do you gotta throw an Escalade in jail? Yeah, I mean, the media, the way they portray the story, because they want to craft a, a picture in people's minds of this giant piece of metal mowing over an old lady, don't say uh, the 50-year-old drunk man who was driving the Escalade. They just said an Escalade hit an old lady. Well, they say there's an influx of money coming into Georgia that's just astounding, and they focus on the astounding number. But they don't say people who don't live in Georgia who are trying to, in effect, election that they won't have to live with on a day-to-day -day basis because these people won't be their representatives, are injecting millions of dollars into the Georgia race. It's not a really ingenuous type of uh, portrayal of what's happening. No, it's, and I will give a capital D to the disingenuous part. Yeah, yeah, and quite honestly, I, I, I'm not just going to harp on, on Democrats for this, because Republicans do it too. When people on the right want to uh, 
be able to slide on things and do what the left does but not be called on the carpet with it. They tend to manipulate language like that too. But it still comes back to the person executing the misdeed. And I think in this, it's and, and I've talked with uh, with my friend CJ about this time and time again. She goes, why do they keep electing Nancy Pelosi? Why is she the Speaker of the House? Why does she, How many years has she been there? 30-some years? Well, it's because the people of San Francisco keep voting her back in. And, and if, you know, I, I don't care for her. She may be a nice person to sit down and eat a $400,000 ice cream bar with. <laughs> but I think she's a horrible legislator, and I think that her ideology is poison to the republic. But it's not her... Who should be saying, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a communist, so I don't think I'm going to run again. It's, we need to shine the spotlight on the people who keep sending her back. They don't give a damn about the republic. They don't give a damn about the advancement of socialism into our, into our American lexicon that's poisoning the country and, and moving people to believe that socialism turn communism as well it it's got some merits the only merits socialism and communism have is the slaughter of tens of millions of people so the people who are to blame for nancy pelosi's influence in congress are the people who voted for nancy pelosi well they're all the useless idiots they get promised this they get promised that and then what happens when but it hasn't happened yet but that's why they hate trump so much because trump came in and threw a wrench into that whole bag of goodie things. And so, okay, so we're promising you this, we're promising you that. And then when the true power people, the deep state, if you will, mm -hmm. Republican and Democrat, when they come in and start taking over and they take the reins and they say to their useless idiot, hey, Thanks for carrying the water for us throughout the desert and making sure. And, you know, we wanted to make sure that you felt a part of the team and this, that, and the other. But, you know, we just don't need you any longer. And then when all this kind of stuff comes home to roost to these people, they're going to go, well, wait a second. You just, you promised me all this kind of stuff. Well, yeah, you know, you, you, know, you, you effed up. You trusted us. I'm just, I'm just one vote. You know, how many times do you hear that? I'm just one vote. I, yes, I, I know I said I would stop Obamacare, but I'm just one vote. What can I do? Ah. You know, and, and that's... You made me get up and start pacing. <laughs> and that's the disingenuousness of the elected class. And, you know, it is so far from what our founders and framers wanted for our country... So very far from it. They wanted regular citizens to have to, almost like jury duty, they wanted regular citizens to have to take their turn at government and then go home. You know, and, yeah. and even today, the people who term limit themselves, which I, I, I give you kudos, but unless everybody's doing that, it doesn't matter. Good people with good intentions end up going home, and the same nefarious characters like Schumer and Pelosi and some people on the right side of the aisle who've been there for 35 years, 30, 35 years, 25 years, it's too long. There, there's too much corruption that can happen in that amount of time, even to the the best of intention, intentions people. You can't get away from that poison. And on top of that, and you know about this better than I do, even if somebody, let's say somebody term limits themselves from a U.S. Senate seat in, let's say, I don't know, 
and this is just for argument's sake, I'm not advancing any knowledge of anything, but Texas. You are too. The staffers in that office seldom change in Washington, D.C., because they know how the halls work, and the new person incoming who's never been a U.S. senator before usually doesn't. So they keep a lot of those people on who influence what's happening in the legislative process. Am I wrong on that? No, you are spot on. The holdovers in not just the the halls of Congress, Senate and House side, but all of the the uh, agencies and and all of those people have been around for years and they just see their bosses come and go but to your point they they the workers you know I'll, I'll call them the sandwich makers they know how the sausage is made and they know how to do everything so when when you have new representatives come in and you have new bosses come in agency heads etc the agency heads and their chiefs of staff ask these holdovers okay what do we do where do you turn the lights on where are the where are the wall outlets all these kinds of things so that in and of itself that that's a great point frank is that the holdovers are are just bleeding the system just bleeding it there was a there was a story that I, I heard someone and this goes back to when George W. Bush was coming into office um, from somebody who was who worked the halls of Congress. They told me a story about uh, Foggy Bottom, about the State Department, about how where the Secretary of State got everybody in the in the round as as they they do on on like in first days to introduce and try and lay out the flavor of how they want things to go, the will of the president as it's supposed to be. And after the speech was done, the section chief called their upper staff together, sat down and said, that was a beautiful speech, but th- we're not doing that. We, we, we've been working on this for close to 15 years, and we're going to see this through. So, you know, we're nod your head and say yes but we're going to be doing this that's the danger of having a bureaucracy in place that doesn't change when it's part of the executive branch and it's supposed to do the will of the president because that's what the people have voted for and and that story that threw me back on my heels i mean i knew i knew that i knew that there was a deep state but this is going and this is going back to 2000 you know, the deep state was alive and well and thriving and doing things that it needed to do back then. And and if anybody thinks it's diminished today, they're smoking something that's legal in Colorado. I would venture a guess that it goes back probably 70 years after World War II. It's just metastasized to what it is today. Look, look at Trump when he first came in on the transition teams. He had to just browbeat people to, to get into place. And, you know, he just needed help. Because he's certainly not the politician. You know, he doesn't understand those things. So he put the best team around him that he could, that he could trust at the time. And it just came back to bite him in the butt. How many times? Well, How he, many times did he have to fire people? Because they were just, they were throwing him under the bus. And, and that's where I was going to go. How many times did he have to fight his own team? Right. You know, exactly. he, he got people he thought he could trust. People who, in the public eye... We looked and said, "Boy, those boy! I can't believe he got him on his team. That's fantastic." 
boy, things are going to happen now. And these people just turned out to be just like all the rest. Well, every one of those people that you've that we have been talking about here for the last five minutes, ten minutes, are part of the deep state. Oh, they absolutely. Been, they're so entrenched in the operations of D.C. that, and if somebody tells them no, they basically say, uh, no, sorry, we've been here longer than you. We're going to do it our way, and you just deal with it. And I don't care who you are. And that's how they work. I had said repeatedly, and I said this on Matt Bruce's show that I'm on on Monday and Fridays on Salem, I said, the first thing Trump should do, and then because this is after eight years of having the genie out of the bottle, I, I, I warned in 2008, do not let the Chicago genie out of the bottle. Don't let it graduate to, to the executive branch at a national level. You'll never be able to put it back in. We're seeing we're, our repercussions today. This 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 Obama 2.0 that we're facing with Biden and Harris today is because that genie's out of the bottle. It's never going back in. Got to figure out how to contain it. It's not going to go back in the bottle. I, I said the first thing Trump has to do is he has to take his motorcade from being sworn in to the Department of Justice and then to the State Department and accept everybody's resignation. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? No, it it needed it needed to happen. I mean, if if even if he would have just done middle management there, careerist middle management at at the DOJ and the State Department, imagine the ass pain he wouldn't have had to felt for four years. I don't know if it's, I'll say it's a safe argument. I think the deepest of the deep state lies within the DOJ. But we're we're seeing it today, aren't we? Where the hell's the DOJ with all with? All of the verifiable evidence that we've seen on video by American citizens of vote fraud in Philadelphia, in in Detroit, in Milwaukee, and in Atlanta. Where? And where was all the video uh, support for all those things, evidence, and the Russian collusion? Oh, they not, it's because not that, one frame of video. Yeah, and, and that's because yeah. it was all bullshit. Exactly, you know, and yeah. and and now Biden's appointing people to his to his cabinet that knew it was bullshit. Worked for Hillary Clinton, had her private email for her private email server, knew that this was all BS, and they're being rewarded for bad behavior, lying to Congress, and and attempting to overthrow a sitting president by getting a cabinet position in the in the next administration. How far off the rails have we gone? You know, I, I had a conversation with a friend of mine uh, who was uh, part of the, the Bush legal team back in uh, 2000 in Florida. And he was telling me, Andy, you cannot believe how corrupt the DOJ is. He, he said, I, in my lifetime, I will probably never, ever see it get cleaned out the way it needs to be cleaned out. He said it would, the things that I know would scare the bejesus out of you. If we don't have fair and blind justice in this country, we've got nothing. John Adams said it best in the very beginning. We're a nation of laws, not a nation of men. And we've become a nation of men that apply the laws when they feel like it should be applied and disregard them for people that they favor. 
That's uh, freedom is. Want to make it up as a freedom and liberty are it's you can't have either of them if justice isn't blind and fair across the board so where is the country that we were given by the framers well uh, <laughs> we're certainly on the precipice right now and and kind of back to uh the the outside monies coming in these outside influential dollars coming in to try and win elections in uh, location states, if you will, uh, to the example of Georgia, it does not help the constituency of the state whatsoever. They're just left out of the whole thing, basically. They, they're, they're the ones who talk about people who make the sandwiches. Okay, that's your constituency. You really don't mean a whole lot to me. The people who really mean a whole lot to me are the people that are funding all of my stuff and all of my projects and all of the things that we want to get done. And I'm not saying everybody, but it, it has to stop yesterday because it's doing nothing but not allowing the people, the, the constituency, to have any kind of purpose or meaning at all. It's disenfranchising the people of the states. The left likes to use that word. Maybe they'll understand it if it's if it's couched that way. The outside money that comes from people who don't have to suffer the repercussions for the outcome of the election, and um, I'll, I'll even throw this hypothetical in there, people who would move to a state to vote and then move out who don't have skin in that state's game, they are diluting and they are disenfranchising the citizens of that state that have to suffer the repercussions from the results of those elections, which have been manipulated by the outside. And this is an issue where states can make a difference. It takes strong governors and strong leaders in the state houses, but it can happen. You know, DeSantis in Florida, um, uh, Governor Abbott in, in Texas, they could certainly turn around and say, we are going to craft state law that says this. There will be no outside money coming into our elections in these arenas. If there are, and make the penalties just just insane. It, it, there'll be an audit every month and the last week before going into the election. And if, you're, if it's found that you've taken outside money, your name is removed from the ballot. Yeah. You know, make yeah. the, make the punishment really, really hurt. And if you get states to do that, if you, if if Florida and Texas can lead the way, and you have other states that are red that lead the way on this, pretty soon you start compartmentalizing these blue states as the only states where elected officials can be bought like that, and you have chambers up on, on Capitol Hill in Washington that start to respond to the needs of the people and truly represent the states and the people they were sent there to represent. That's that's one way I can see us getting back to good in this country. But whether it's that way or, or whether it's the economic independence of the states from the federal government, something's got to happen. Because if we fall into one-party rule because of this special election in Georgia, you can kiss everything goodbye. Yeah, no, no question. And I think, too, and, and simultaneously, and I can, I can just hear the minds of our listeners right now going, what about term limits? What about term limits? Okay, you do simultaneously. 
and you do the term limits and you enact penalties, severe penalties for engaging and accepting outside money. Because if you don't and you have term limits, then the outside influence is going to say, all right, you've got uh, a guy running here for Senate and you've got three terms, maximum 18 years, just as an example. You better make it count in those 18 years and you're going to have outside money like you've never seen before because you're on a time limit. Yep. But if you do, if you get rid of the outside monies coming in and term limits combined, man, that's that's where it's at. But then people are going to go, you'll never get them to buy off on term limits. Well, start it. You know, <laughs> you know, one way one way to get it that ball finally rolling is to pit one elected class against another elected class. If you can get the state houses to enact term limits because they get to make the rules for their federal elections. That's just that's it. The, the sovereignty of an election rests with the states. It doesn't rest with the federal government. The only thing the federal government has to say about elections is what's in the Constitution. That's it. If you can get the state legislatures and the governors to term limit the federal elected officials coming out of those states, that's a step in the right direction, and it wouldn't necessarily, it would be disingenuous of them to vote for it, even though it's the right thing to do, because it wouldn't encompass them, but it would get the ball rolling. And then maybe you could get an amendment to the Constitution through Congress as, as retaliation from the federal elected officials against the state officials. You know, it's... <laughs> It's it's just something that we've got to move away from the manipulate the loophole manipulation that the political parties and the elected class and the big money donor class have found in what was supposed to be an ingenuous system of government, and those are the only two ways I can see it happen. Yeah. Uh, as a quick aside here, I just got an alert on my very fashionable iWatch that. <laughs> History making, Biden first person elected official, whatever, to receive one or eighty million votes, and I'm like going, yeah, right, prove it. Hundred eighty million votes. No, who, who, eighty. That was my bet. 80, 80 million. I was going to say that's maybe the that's that's even above the total of everybody who voted. Well, that was a big truck that they found with hundred million votes. Hey, don't. Don't tempt that because if if they really need those votes, they they'll find them in Chicago and Philadelphia graveyards. Well, Al Franken's probably got some in his uh, garage. You know, did you just hear left that? over just in case? Did you hear that jackass is thinking about getting back into the game? <laughs> oh golly! I, it, uh. The Stewart the Stuart Smiley jokes are starting. Gosh, well, gosh darn it! Gosh starting darn it! Starting to get, starting to get you off the. Off the off the path there with the, this this history making little blur, and of course it came out through Fox News, who I just I have you know what <laughs> the new darling what? of the left did they sell their soul yeah the new darling wow. of the left when that door shut for me and I haven't been I haven't been reading them as a source for good information for a while now I stopped Agreed. watching them completely um, but this this last turn. As as Michael Corleone said about Fredo, they're dead to me. <laughs> you know, and that was not a that was not a, 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 a 
was not a little slip towards the Cuomo family. I was really talking about The Godfather, and it was a story by Mario Puzo. Oh, so, I thought it was Everybody's calling what Chris Cuomo Fredo now. So I, I, sometimes you got to go back to the classic movies and use a line that was that was done when Hollywood wasn't uh, the jaded cesspool of of um, cretinous communists that it is now. Andy, <laughs> I hope that the first uh, the first session of this is everything you thought it would be. I look forward to a long and and prosperous and and influential relationship uh, in the underground with you. And as we go forward, especially if uh, if uh, the oatmeal eater and the and the socialist get into office, um, there's going to be a lot to talk about. You know, I, I thank you, Frank, and 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 absolutely, I really really look forward to so many more of these and. As a quick before we sign off, a little bird just told me that uh, one certain podcast host has a birthday tomorrow. I wonder who that might be. I have no idea. Happy birthday, brother. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, and happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Yeah, and, and to yours as well. And I hope that you get to spend it with all the people that you want. Well, we're doing our best. And uh, if we can't this year, we'll do it next year. So there. Very cool. All right, everybody, and, and um, from both of us to all of you, uh, a happy Thanksgiving, and uh, I'll be right back after this. Did you know that Yopon is the only tea plant indigenous to the United States? Hi, I'm CJ, the owner of Emerald Coast Tea Company. We have a line of Yopon teas and Yopon tea blends that will open your eyes to tea that is literally made in the USA. Check out our entire line of teas at www.emeraldcoastteacompany.com. Honey, this ain't your mama's tea. Welcome back to Underground USA. I'm your host, Frank Salvato, and we're talking with A.J. Cook. Uh, he is going to be an integral part of a new project that we have over, uh, working in association with National File, called Right Minded. I'm lucky enough that they uh, they wanted to give me a show. And uh, because A.J. is somebody who is up on the news and what's happening over there, and, and the news in total, I'm going to say, uh, I'm happy to have him as part of that show and i'm introducing him to the underground usa audience as well aj thanks for coming on thanks for having me frank now you're a news aficionado you're right over there at uh, nationalfile.com and i highly recommend everybody to go over there and take a look at what they have to offer it's a no-nonsense uh new right media site it's it's concise to the point that uh when you consume it it actually uh Gives you a well-rounded 360 degrees of what's happening uh, in in the world today without that uh, injected opinion fluff from uh, places like Fox, which has dramatically gone downhill. Just just turned into a little lapdog for for the Democrat and progressive parties. And, and I should start saying Marxist progressive, but I'm going to go with progressives until they're actually in. If, in fact, they do win, then I will go full-bore Marxist. Uh, AJ, what's happening over at National File today? Well, the number one story is the same number one story that we've had for the past month, which is uh, the election. Yeah, Donald Trump 
his campaign is working to contest the election in half a dozen swing states. Right now, uh, the uh, election in Georgia is pretty hotly contested, and when I say that, I mean that the Georgia Secretary of State apparently signed an illegal deal with Democrat changing how ballots are counted and processed. And uh, as of a couple weeks ago, he promised that uh, his administration would would conduct an independent, uh, independently monitored audit of the absentee ballots in the state. That has not happened so far. So he's a Republican of the more establishment stripe, and he has been fighting pretty publicly with the Trump campaign and the president personally. Uh, right now, he refuses to conduct um, a an independently monitored audit of the absentee ballots, which the Trump campaign has demanded. Uh, the race is still pretty close. If when when we're talking, this guy's obviously a rhino. Um, but when we're talking about that that agreement that he had with the made with the Democrats, um, it's my impression that in all fifty states, not just in Georgia, but each of the states, because they have individual constitutions and they actually execute the elections, that election law is crafted through the legislature. That is correct. Unfortunately, this has been a continuing theme with Democrats over the past few years, where instead of getting a law passed, what they'll do is they'll have a friendly outside group sue the state and say, oh, you have to do these 15 million things. You have to allow all of these obviously you know, fraudulent things to happen. And uh, what the Democrat, or in this case, Rhino Republican will do, is they'll uh, enter into a settlement agreement with that outside firm or that outside uh, party in order to get passed through kind of legal judicial fiat what they couldn't get passed through actual law. And when, it, when we go head-to-head on that, you know, it's it's all going to come down to the Supreme Court in this time, and I believe that's going to be one of the chief uh, one of the one of the chief arguments that's brought forth is that is this constitutional because election law needs to go through the legislature and it can't be adjudicated. It's not the purview of the courts to to create law. It's it's the purview of the courts to make adjudications on on questions brought before the court. Um, if the Supreme Court shoots this down and says that all of all election law, because it's the purview of the legislature, has to be legislated. That affects every race in every battleground state that allowed a court to make a decision on this, doesn't it? It would, and it would go much farther than that, because it would affect civil rights law. It would affect uh, any any number of things where Democrats have kind of used this strategy to uh, enter into agreements that clearly contravene uh, states' rights, legislatures' rights, you know, the plain text of the Constitution. Un- if, if that were to happen, it would be pretty amazing. Unfortunately, the judicial establishment has been really weak on this, and they haven't really taken that tack. So this is going to be a this is going to be a watershed moment if this question comes before the Supreme Court, and we've seen the I won't say the balance of power because the Supreme Court is 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 a very weird animal. You know, we can we can have people seated on that court that suddenly turn um, unconstitutionalist, as it were, even though they're supposed to be the guardians of the charters of freedom. Um, so if this actually gets to the Supreme Court and there's a decision when when we're looking at the makeup of that court being 
at least 5-4, if not 6-3. That could change, like you said, it could change a lot of different things here going far beyond the election, but that would pretty much throw this election into chaos because the Electoral College votes uh, for Pennsylvania, for Michigan, for Wisconsin, for Georgia, even for Arizona and Nevada. Any state that actually had a Secretary of State make a, a dick, an edict that we're going to extend voting tabulation times. We're going to accept ballots earlier than we should. That's That's been legislated. We're going to make all of these COVID uh, accommodations. Those would all be unconstitutional. Would those ballots be thrown out then? Uh, what would happen in that point would be likely uh, decertification of the relevant elections. Uh, generally, what you do in this case, uh, when you have an election that is credibly called into question is you do a revote. Uh, this is something that happened over in North Carolina in 2018 when a Republican uh, campaign operative was uh, alleged to have illegally harvested anywhere between 1,000 and 2,000 ballots in a fairly close race. Uh, the Constitution does not allow that remedy in this case uh, just because the Constitution does not want the seat of power to lay open for a year, which is what happened in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. So the constitutional remedy is that it goes to the House of Representatives, and it's not a straight vote by um, House Representatives. So it's not Nancy Pelosi's ball. Uh, each state would get one vote, and the majority of representatives for each state would uh, vote for that vote. Uh, so at this point, President Trump is likely to have like a, a majority of about uh, seven states uh, on top of uh, Biden if the election were to go to the House of Representatives per the constitutional procedure. That is, uh, it appears to be what the Trump campaign's legal strategy is right now, because there's, there's no plausible plan for a revote. And there does not seem to be any appetite in the judiciary to throw out uh, hundreds of thousands or millions of ballots. And if you'd like, I can actually go into a, a little bit deeper there. Sure. So one of the, one of the interesting things here is that uh, Pennsylvania, uh, there was litigation saying that uh, if you return ballot and you don't sign... Um, an absentee ballot. You don't sign the envelope. You, you return a naked ballot. That uh, that circumvents one of the very basic uh, basic protections against fraud in elections. And so there were litigation saying you can't count votes. It's the law. You have to have a signature. Well, what the uh, Democrats and the Secretary of State in Pennsylvania did was they promised the court, and they were ordered by the court as well, to segregate absentee ballots from, you know, the the naked ballots versus the non-naked ballots. Mm -hmm. And they didn't do that. They just jumbled all the ballots together. And that that uh, is also, you know, a situation that's propping up in Georgia, uh, where, for instance, the Secretary of State Raffensperger said that the Georgia ballots, um, that the absentee ballots, which uh, are being challenged by the Trump campaign, uh, that the signature verification, he says, oh, yeah, I promise, we already did it. 
but now that we did do it, we separated the envelopes from the ballots, so you can't tell which, you know, if you find fra fraudulent uh, absentee ballots, you can't connect them to actual votes. Um, so, there we go. That is... Uh, it seems to me that, um, and, and I, you know, we've got three co-equal branches of government, and, and when the Supreme Court issues an order, they don't take very kindly to being ignored. So if these races where they've promised to do something that was demanded of them by the Supreme Court, uh, if they circle back to the Supreme Court, it seems to me the Supreme Court might be a little jaded. That is correct. And uh, this is something that uh, Justice Alito already called them out over. Uh, he did not seem uh, very pleased with the fact that they ignored his order. This is something where the Supreme Court historically and, you know, the, the justices at play here historically have not been uh, very prone to uh, getting, making sweeping decisions. Uh, Chief Justice Roberts in particular does not like to uh, make a lot of waves. <laughs> does not like the, does not like to side with the Republicans. Oh, what I, I, much, did yeah. I say that? I didn't say that. <laughs> so, so the situation there is, on, on the one hand, it is extremely clear that um, Democrats uh, that that uh, the state apparatus in Pennsylvania broke the law. Period. They uh, contravened a court order with just, and and they didn't even care about it, and. The Supreme Court's response could be pretty harsh, but at the same time, the current makeup of the Supreme Court, we haven't seen Amy Coney Barrett in action. It's unclear what kind of response there can be, what kind of sanction they can put on the state for doing this, for flagrantly uh, flouting rules. Couldn't they, when, couldn't, they invalidate, couldn't they invalidate their certification at the Supreme Court level? Oh, absolutely. They can, they can absolutely do that. The question is whether they have the guts to do it. Boy, that's and, and there really that's going to be a fun showdown. That they can do. That's that's going to be a fun showdown. And you know, like I said, they, they don't take kindly to people just ignoring what they have to say. So where they may have opted not to hear the cases, I th I think now it would be a matter of sending a message that when the Supreme Court says that you separate ballots or that you do this, when, when the question comes before them and they issue a ruling on it or a directive, that you better damn well follow it. Otherwise, you pay the ultimate penalty. And, you know, they've they've upheld a couple different things that are that are quite intense, like death penalty. So, you know, um, invalidating... Making a making an example of Secretary of State's, and I'd be very curious to see if the Secretary of State in Pennsylvania took any money from the from the Soros Secretary of State project. I wouldn't know about that, but uh, I, I can tell you, the the one hopeful thing about the the cases going before the Supreme Court on this issue are that the, the Supreme Court doesn't really have much in the way of. Uh, recourse against these states, except for things like decertification. It's not like they can, you know, slap them on the wrist, which is what one might expect a rhino Republican justice to do. Right. It's 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 black and white here. You know, you, you've got to decertify the state. You've got to because, for instance, you can't just say we're gonna, you know, give you a new court order for what to do next time you try to try to do uh, do hinky things. 
that's not going to work because they already ignored the first one. Right. Uh, if, if you don't have teeth, if you don't have uh, a sanction, that uh, punishment that goes uh, for breaking the rules, what's the point of the rules in the first place? Yeah, I'm. I'm hoping that this is a this is a moment in time when we actually see the the uh, Supreme Court literally become that co-equal branch of government and assert some authority, saying you've you've stepped on our purview and kind of left the puddle, and we don't we don't tend to care for that. Um, what else is going on over at the National File? So this is actually connected to the ongoing legal drama is the fact that Democrats have been uh, mounting a campaign of harassment, intimidation against the Trump legal team, against uh, Republican lawmakers, against pretty much anybody involved in a public manner in uh, litigating the disputed 2020 election. Well, this seems like, seems like politi- uh, political prosecution. Oh, absolutely. So the Michigan Attorney General, for instance, is uh, exploring criminal charges for uh, state legislators who even speak with the Trump campaign or connected people about litigating the election uh, in, under terms of conspiracy, criminal conspiracy. Boy, I, I can just I can see the smoke filled room with the SS patches on the on, on the collars. I mean, this is I, the governor in Michigan is already being threatened with impeachment. Are the, are the Republicans in Michigan going to extend that to the Secretary of State? I mean, this is this is Hitler-esque. This is this is Stalin-esque. It, it absolutely is completely insane and dangerous. Uh, another thing is there was uh, there's a uh, Democratic uh, House representative who filed about 22 uh, frivolous uh, bar complaints against attorneys connected with the, um, the election. This is, this, is, this is that jackass Pascrell in uh, New Jersey, isn't it? You bet. Yeah. And uh, and I, I don't imagine you've seen it because I just posted it a few minutes ago, but uh, I just posted a new article, which is a roundup of the legal uh, intimidation and harassment of Trump world. And uh, it's it's very interesting the Trump campaign and the RNC and affiliated groups uh, theoretically have thousands of lawyers working on uh, litigating the election. It's unclear how many of those have survived, so to speak, but uh, we know for a fact on paper that seven different lawyers of five different firms have stepped down formally from representing the Trump campaign. That's that's insane. That's insane. If if voters need any indication as to who's the corrupt party here, what is wrong with making sure that legal votes are counted and illegal votes are not? It's the sanctity of the ballot box for crying out loud. And and you've got one party that's doing everything that they can to stop to stop the examination of what we've got video evidence of was fraudulent we've got video evidence out of out of where uh pennsylvania um michigan wisconsin um atlanta out of, out of georgia i i mean it's the evidence itself is enough to say we we really should look into this but instead the, the democrats are just running full speed to the goal line 
Well, if you think about it, uh, do you, don't you remember when Democrats insisted that Osama bin Laden and the Unabomber and uh, Jeffrey Epstein and Harvey Weinstein all deserved effective legal counsel? But apparently that doesn't apply to Donald J. Trump. And it also doesn't apply to the Republican National Committee. It doesn't apply to any state Republican committee. Uh, 2020 is the year that Democrats just say, you know, to heck with it. We're, we're done. We're, we're not going to be uh, constrained by any kind of democratic or legal safeguard against weaponizing institutions against conservatives. You know, I've got, and, and I've been saying this on, on the show I do on Mondays and Fridays on Salem, uh, people should be looking to see where Valerie Jarrett and Eric Holder are right now because their stink is all over this. Don't forget Mark Elias. Yeah, and wasn't he that wasn't he one of the attorneys that was involved in that deal in Georgia? Oh yeah, it's uh, and astute uh, listeners might remember he was also the guy who served as the pass through between the Clinton campaign and the DNC and Fusion GPS for their 2016 operation against Donald Trump. Now. This is something that's been a uh, kind of kind of almost a joke that uh, Democrats have spent years trying to get Trump on, you know, whether, you know, his uh, spending on non-disclosure agreements violated campaign finance laws. But uh, whereas Hillary Clinton, the DNC and the Clinton campaign funneled literally millions of dollars to a foreign spy, that's Christopher Steele, to create and promote a uh, dirty dossier which a $40 million and four-year federal investigation found was completely bogus. I mean, this is it, it is, is it is as if what we're seeing attempted here is the continuation of the Obama administration after a four-year pause. And if that's the case, we need to understand how incredibly important it is to win these races in Georgia, because if Democrats, and I'm going to substitute the word Marxist progressives for Democrats, if Marxist progressives get a hold of one-party rule in, in the United States, we are in so much trouble I don't think that our republic will survive. The, the, the progressives had this opportunity at the right after the turn of the 20th century, and they passed um, the, the amendment that gives us direct election of senators, which took away safeguards for the states. It, it just took away safeguards for states in Washington D.C. There were there were, the body of the Senate, which was supposed to look out for the states and the constitutions of the 50 states. They, it, it was obliterated, and the Senate was politicized, and it's led us to a time and place where politics rules the roost. It was not, the House was supposed to be a little contentious, but the Senate was supposed to be the, the, the saucer and the teacup that helped the tea cool if it fell out of the cup. So I, we can't have one-party rule. We, we cannot have these senators winning in uh, Warnock and Reverend Warnock. And why aren't we hearing about the separation of church and state with Reverend Warnock? Um, and, and this John Ossoff, both of these people are cobalt blue, glow-in-the-dark Marxist progressives. They shouldn't be anywhere near the U.S. Senate. So people in Georgia, you've got to do the right thing. Um, AJ, 
What's happening outside of the uh, national file? So speaking of Georgia, uh, L. Linwood, one of the Trump campaign attorneys, has uh, come out and suggested to Georgia voters as a protest against the fraud in Georgia, uh, they not show up to vote in the runoff. And uh, the response to that from Republicans and Trump world has been harsh, extremely harsh. Uh, both uh, Don Jr. and uh, Kurt Schlichter have come out and uh, used, they haven't called him out directly, but they've used some pretty harsh language to uh, describe that kind of sen sentiment that uh, Republicans should protest Republicans losing through fraud by losing through not showing up. What, what could possibly, what could possibly be the best outcome of Republicans boycotting an election that will be certified by corrupt people and sending two Democrats to the U.S. Senate to give us one-party rule. What, like, like Jay Leno said to um, to uh, Elizabeth Hurley's husband after he was caught cheating on her with a really ugly hooker. Um, what were you thinking? What was what was what was Wood thinking when when he did when he just said let's protest and just hand the election to the Democrats? Not the brightest stuff I've heard. It's it's something that uh, on the one hand you've got to empathize with people that um, that the Republican establishment and it seems particularly the Republican establishment in Georgia seems completely immune to any calls for transparency, any calls to recognize that there are legitimate doubts about this election, but at the same time, you're, you're on the money there. If, uh, if those you know, two Republican incumbents lose their races, then uh, it's, it's pretty much over because with a 50-50 split in the United States Senate, that means that Kamala Harris becomes the tiebreaker. Yeah, and they will they will pack the courts. They've already telegraphed they're going to do that. They will get rid of the filibuster, which means that the minority has no rights in that body. Um, they will move ahead with the new Green Deal, which will which will absolutely gut our our economy. Um, and they will actually engage in processing the Great Reset. And if people have not read about the Great Reset, you better get up to speed on it, because it, it, some of the things that they want to do. And, and this is something that John Kerry, who at the World Economic Forum, said point blank, oh, yes, we love the, we love the Great Reset idea. We need it desperately. It gets rid of paper currency. It gets rid of private property. And you get those two things happening where the government can control your income and your wealth with the click of a button. They can penalize you through your income and your wealth at the click of a button. So that's what's at stake down here in Georgia. One party rule will deliver something that Barack Obama could have only dreamed about when he said we're just five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. Our country will cease to exist as it was meant to exist at its inception. And all of the freedom and all of the liberty that, that we have enjoyed even in a deprecated fashion in these last maybe 20 or 30 years, that'll seem like a holiday compared to what happens. Your freedoms and your liberties will be gone.
AJ, I want to thank you for coming on Underground USA uh, to give us a sneak peek of what uh, the last segment will be Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays on Right Minded over at the nationalfile.com. Uh, it'll be, I believe, the URL over when they get it up and running will be uh, rightminded.nationalfile.com. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to this new project. I think it's going to be exciting, and I think we're going to have a voice that actually echoes in a lot of the places where um, where common sense doesn't, uh, doesn't currently see the light of day. Thanks a lot, Frank. This portion of Underground USA is brought to you by Delvecchio Defense Instruction, DDI. Hit your bullseye with DDI. DDI offers NRA-certified instruction in basic pistol safety, NRA pistol marksmanship simulator training, women on target, and their non-lethal refuse-to-be-a-victim program. You can also engage in DDI's non-lethal defense training, where they have warrior workshops, empower hour, safe showings workshops, safe hearts workshops, and damsel sister safety. To find out more, log on to bullseyeddi.com, that's bullseyeddi.com, or email Lori, L-A-U-R-I-E, at bullseyeddi.com. Thank you for listening to Underground USA. Be sure to check us out online at www.undergroundusa.com and on social media. Please subscribe to our podcast at iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and on podcast platforms like CastBox, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spreaker, and anywhere podcasts are heard. Underground USA is produced and syndicated by Compass Point Productions. All content is used with permission and pursuant to the dictates of the fair use copyright law. Any and all guests have appeared at their own risk. Rendezvous with Destiny. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.